Plus Size Magic Radio. And today we have a guest who is also a student, who is a scholar, who is someone that I am excited to talk about. But as you know, I don't introduce the guest because I'm all about sharing the mic. So we're going to turn it over to our guest today to tell us a little bit about who she is, where she's from, what does she do, but she's going to give you a brief introduction so we don't ruin the interview for y'all in the first 30 seconds. But she'll be able to give you a little bit more background. So Lexi, I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Tell the people who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Hello, my name is Lexi Silva. I'm an MFA Dramaturgy student at IU Bloomington. Just before this, earlier this year, I graduated in class of 2020 with the rest of the Rona graduates, um, getting my master's in English literature from California State University Stanislaus, where I also received a dual BA in theater arts, acting, and English literature. I'm from Hillmar, California, and I just moved to Bloomington August of this year. Okay, so you have all the as many as I'm, I'm packing them on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, Lexi. I'm so grateful that you're here because um, as a person who's in academia, as a person who is in college, um, you know, there's a lot of times that our voices are not considered important until we actually have that piece of paper. Or sometimes it's like, you're still a scholar, you're still learning. And I think the learning process actually provides us with more information that we'll usually forget by the time that we graduate or, you know, it's not as passionate sometimes. So I want to capture that. But the first thing I want to ask you is I ask all my guests. So for new listeners, I ask this question because I want people to be able to have this ability to define themselves. And for old listeners, you know, I love y'all. Thank y'all for coming back. Y'all always hear this question. But Lexi, how do you define your body and why? The reason why I ask this again is because I don't want people to be limited to just the monikers that they see in stores, that they see online, but for us to be able to create an accepting community about how we define our body. So Lexi, how do you define your body? My body is transformative. Um, I have been um, big a million different ways my entire life. And that relationship has been so tightly intertwined with my with my mental relationship with my body. So when you ask me how I define myself, I can't think about my body without also thinking about my brain because they've always sort of worked uh, together to come up with whatever image of myself I have at any given moment in my life. So my body is always changing. It's gonna stay changing. Um, and I do my best to, um, to keep up with it. <laughs> Listen, I, I really like that, that bodies can be ever-changing, especially when we think about it from our own perspectives. A lot of times we get caught up in being stagnant or like trying to reach this goal and definition and not recognize, you know, even when we think about age and how ageism actually plays a role where older bodies, I'm, I'm loving the fact that we even see older women and older men or, and, you know, people outside the gender binary showing up as models, as entertainers, and their first time out here, they're not 
their young prime selves, but they're their seasoned prime selves, you know, and that that continues to change. So I really like your answer with that. So, you know, listen, y'all, it's, it's, a, it's a changing process. Don't ever feel like you should be stagnant. And if you didn't hear it, rewind it again. And that way you can understand <laughs> this concept just a little bit better. Um, but Lexi, I want to kind of see and get into what what made you get into theater what made you get into the arts especially knowing that we don't see a lot of bodies that look like ours in particular spaces we're starting to see an uh, increase in that sometimes it is you know becoming a fetish for some people or it's only tokenized for certain people and we understand that especially when we look at European beauty standards and how certain identities are placed up against that because the first time for the listeners I met Lexi and of course a few weeks ago um, where I was able to talk about the work that I do here with Fatness Fiction and Plus Size Magic but the course was a theater course at IU Bloomington and I was able to come in and talk about the play Venus and be able to explore that in the work that I've done there and Lexi was just like look I've had these experiences things that you said resonated and I'm just like for you to be here and be in that body, what does that look like? So what got you into the arts? What got you into wanting to obtain education from those spaces? So I was actually later on in my life relative to now, um, I'm 24 years old. When I was around um, like 19, it was um, my second year as an undergrad in college. I was just an English literature major at the time. And I had um, met a friend who was also a double major and, um, had encouraged me to audition for a show. In high school, I had sort of dabbled in the arts a little bit. I sort of discovered that I um, enjoyed performing, that I enjoyed singing when I was around 17 um, and like took drama class in high school, but it was never anything that I thought was going to expand beyond that. Because before that, my parents sort of, you know, you put kids in sports, you put kids in a million different things to see what they're good at. And I was never good at uh, any of it. <laughs> and so they were like, you know what Lexi does? Lexi does school. So we're just gonna let her do school. And so when, um, when I received encouragement from a friend to like go to an audition at um, a university in California, um, I was so nervous and auditioned for a play and I was cast for the first time. And um, at the time I was, I was bigger than I am currently. Um, and because uh, weight loss does play an interesting role in my narrative and in my relationship with my body. And, uh, and theater has to, has to do with that big time as well. So I got in that way and I realized very quickly that I finally found something that challenged me, that um, that really sort of like knocked me over, but made me want to get up with more fervor the next day. Um, and that felt really important to me. Um, and I was pretty naive to the way that bodies are situated in the theater, because I was relatively new to the theater. Um, what I did notice is, you know, at first when I was entering um, the, the university theater realm, uh, the first role that I was cast as was a prostitute. And um, because I was, I was a bigger girl and I, I grew up uh, Catholic, like pretty conservative in those terms. And so, you know, my first costume on stage was like very risque, like fishnets, like uh, bustier and, and tight skirt and all of that. And um, it was like a very um, interesting experience for me. Um, it was good in the fact that like a costume or costume something for my body that was far out of my comfort zone as a big girl growing up a big girl, being afraid of my own body my whole life, having a really delicate relationship with how I was okay with my body being presented because of my perceptions of myself as a big girl. Um, and so in that way it was empowering, but this would sort of set up a pattern for me where I would get cast as prostitutes again and again in the theater world. And I started to 
correlate that with the way that my body looked. Because if I wasn't getting really character-y roles as I sort of developed, um, you know, in my collegiate theater career, um, I was getting hypersexualized roles, which sort of speaks to me of this idea of like the fat body in a theater space is, e is either hypersexualized or desexualized completely. There's like no real in-between. And so, and that tension was really interesting to me as someone who's now been on both sides of it. But at the time when I was just getting roles, um, like the character roles and the sexy roles, I was like, you know, if I wanna be the lead, it's clear to me, I've gotta lose weight, right? And so um, that kind of led me to embark on this really long um, weight loss journey where I lost a really significant amount of weight. And um, it was an interesting feedback loop because when I did lose weight, I started getting roles that were in the front. And that was really psychologically dangerous for me because I was getting feedback for the wrong things. It was encouraging me to engage in behaviors, obsessive behaviors and obsessive relationships with my body, with food, uh, with dieting and exercise that, um, that became toxic. And so it's hard, it's hard to be a big body in the theater because of where you're uniquely positioned, especially if you're involved as a performer. Now I'm in the academic realm, so it's different. Acting is still a part of my life, but it's certainly taking a backseat. But I do feel that my experience of where my body is now, where it's been, and my experience as a bigger performer has sort of uniquely positioned me to have a very uh, specific perspective about what body diversity means for actors. Thank you for that. Um, something that you mentioned that was not only something I've seen in your example about the theater world, but in the real life is the hypersexualization of more bigger or curvier bodies and the fact that, you know, even outside of your religious views, you still had to experience the fact that, you know, theater to a point, and this is um, not to diminish the art itself, has you know it's fictional pieces to it you know and because of that even in a sort of fictional world I still have to deal with realistic I you know realities the fact that I have to sit up here and say you know either I'm like you say I'm desexualized or I'm hypersexualized and how that plays into your your experiences in life and then even how as we continue to grow and like you said you had this toxic relationship with dieting how you know because of you changing what you look like on the outside it therefore was changing your mental process you know how you actually engage in different spaces and I just want people to understand that even even in these two worlds where this looks like, oh, this is fun, it's theater, you can do all this. It's a lot of biases that are placed on our bodies in those spaces just because we exist there. So for you going through that process and knowing that you decided to lose weight and it seems like it's attached to more of a vanity piece because not yet have I heard you say, oh, I lost weight because my doctor told me you're at this critical point of, of this health crisis. And I think a lot of times, you know, and I reiterate this a lot, not all fat bodies are unhealthy. And just because you're a fat body doesn't mean you're you're unhealthy. Um, but that's a stigma that the world will continue to play and say, well, there's so many this. And it's like, there's not one ailment that only attacks bigger bodies. Like it can happen in different spaces. You know, we grow up with this one threat, you're gonna have diabetes, you know? And then when I learned Halle Berry even had diabetes and I'm like, this is the Halle Berry like she has the body everybody wants she has the life she everybody wants and it didn't it, it didn't resonate with me why is it that I'm still forcing myself to have to change in in many ways when I didn't see the correlation it's just because 
my vanity wasn't what you were attracted to. It wasn't the status quo. It wasn't what media was showing. And the fact that you're in, you know, you have an academic interest and a personal interest in the theater. And the fact that that is something that continues to infiltrate everything we do. Entertainment is big, especially since the pandemic, you know, everybody is looking for that outlet. I just thank you for providing that. But for you, how do you think representation and body diversity is important, especially in the realms of theater? Because I don't see a lot of bodies that look like yours and mine in those spaces, even though we're seeing a slow increase, it's still a certain, it has to be that figure eight, it has to be that flat stomach, it has to be the fairer skin, it has to be a certain race. Like how, why do you think this diversity in bodies is important, especially from your experiences? Well, I definitely want to recognize that it is so important. And I think you're right, we're not seeing it the way that we should be right now. Um, you know, the course that I'm TAing for for Dr. Jenny Lale is a sort of fat studies adjacent writing intensive course about uh, fat representation in theater specifically. And the lesson that we come back to time and time again in, in each of these plays is that fat bodies are not represented positively in theater across the board. And it's so unfortunate, right? Because like as a young girl, even before I was in the theater, right? But certainly when I first got into the theater, you know, you, you latch onto roles like Tracy Turnblatt and Hairspray, right? Like the one fat role that people love. She's funny, she's talented, she's got the spotlight, all that. And I, and I fell into that trap immediately. I was like, that's the part that I can play. That's, that's, that's my gateway in. That's my one piece of representation that I, as a fat young woman, get in the theater. And then you'll know, be exposed to these plays in Dr. Jenny's course. Um, and, and the narrative is over and over again, like it's about a man dating a fat woman and he's ashamed of it. Um, it's about women being, um, you know, running away from their weight and, and turning to eating disorders because being fat to them is the worst thing that they could possibly be. It's about using fat suits on thin actors instead of giving those roles to fat actors who exist and who are gifted and who are being discriminated against in the industry. So it's like the way that playwrights, the way that theater makers write fat people has a direct impact on how they see themselves as theater makers. And, and I think that goes, and that's an important lesson for representation in many facets in the theater. Write the roles to empower people, right? So like if, if I had grown up seeing a wealth of really multifaceted, multidimensional roles written for bigger bodies, but that weren't contingent on that body being used as a joke or that body being used as a point of shame, or that body being used for specific, uh, you know, to, to be fetishized in a very specific way. If, if, if I had seen positive representation in more than just like Tracy Turnblad and Hairspray, it would have, it would have helped me open up my own horizons. I wouldn't have limited myself and my own perceptions of my, of my trajectory as an artist had I seen more representation of the, of the possibilities of what I could be as an actress with a big body. And so I just think there is, it's so important because stories shape how we see ourselves. And the people who, who are in charge in the theater, the people who are, who are positioned to write stories that can change people's lives because represent, representation does, it changes people's lives. Um, I, I think there maybe needs to be some realization that like, oh, that power does exist. And I think that there is, there is to a certain extent, but I would love to see more specific representation for big bodies, for big bodies of color, for big bodies of different ability, 
because I, it's, it's not just like a one and done fix. Things are so layered in terms of, of privilege and, um, and ability. And, and I think the, the theater is a, is a little behind in so far as uh, representing, excuse me, um, a diverse population of people apart from race. Like we're seeing, we're seeing race being represented in a very specific way right now, which is so, so integral and so important. Um, and I just think that we need to dig a little deeper into all the subcategories so that, so that it's a truly an inclusive field. I definitely agree with that, that a lot of times we get stuck on this one and done mindset that if we fix this one problem or it's like, hey, we have a fat person here and it's like, it's a fat person of color who is, you know, within the LGBTQ plus community and low income. And it's like, that that's not it. You know, we have people who come from these different walks of life and we have to understand that. And I think a lot of people feel like, let's just get it done and we'll be good. And then we can go back to normal. And it's like, no, that's not the way the world looks. That's not how every identity looks. I, I get it. There's a lot of complexity to trying to speak to those different audiences because of, you know, the intersectionality of different people. But as you mentioned earlier, if you have a role or if you have writers, if you have different playwrights who can be there, let them tackle the identities that you don't have. You don't necessarily have to be the one to do it if you don't have it because you may not represent it correctly. I could never write a play for a fat white woman the same way I could potentially write it for a flat black woman. In the same experience, I can never write for a fat black woman who may be queer because I don't hold that identity, that's when I have to step back and say, yes, I may have two of those identities, but let me make space. And I feel like people are so beholden to the fact I want to be the first or this is mine and I it's got to be my vision. But you have to realize some people look at these different productions and that's their representation. That's the only time they've probably seen a person like this. And you have to realize that builds this stereotype because all those stereotypes are definitely problematic there's a little bit of truth that has been mis grossly mistold about these people you know what i'm saying and now you're harping off the fact of this mis this, this this grossly mistold narrative about people and i think that's important and the fact that as a person who is on the academic side but also in the theater you're being able to say i see these discrepancies here and actually being one to say i'm going to speak up and talk about it because a lot of times everybody just want to say i'm going to stay in my lane but that's not the point of being an advocate that's not the point of doing social justice work. This all has to intertwine so that way you leave a legacy to say, I helped pry open a door for someone who may or may not look like me, but I understood how to call that out. So, you know, it, it's definitely a lot of work there. It's a lot of stuff to dissect and unpack, but I think we have to be critical in the way that we look at these different things. So, Lexi, for you, when you think about how you've come up and how you've shifted and morphed your body in different ways to kind of fit in to an extent while still trying to challenge these identities and these ideas within the theater. What are some, what are some challenges that you've had, but then also what are some triumphs that you had? You know, you talk about being typecasted as a prostitute and we explain what that kind of looks like, but what's the benefit? Why do you continue to say, I'm gonna stay here even though I know my body is not at the top of the list and I'm not put in the forefront, I still wanna do this work because I want to challenge perspectives, right? Because part of this experiment that I took on with myself, which I will admit is not 
healthy. I don't want to advocate advocate for this um, sort of thought process, but I was so tired. And to myself, I, I said, I'm going to lose the weight because I want to find out if it's my talent inhibiting me from getting the roles that I want, or if it's my body. Mm-hmm. And it became clear to me that it was my body. And and so like in the high of that, of that payoff, right, of getting the roles that I wanted because I was somewhat thinner, didn't last long. What, what stuck with me was the fact that like, oh my God, I was this good all along and it was my body stopping me from getting the roles that, that would serve me well in an academic environment. Um, and so as someone who is now sort of shifting my focus in the academic realm to be on, on the creative production team side of things, my experience as a fat actor um, serves me so well to reflect on the experience because if I'm one of those people shaping the way that we tell a story, doing the research so that we tell a story accurately, um, that means that I am positioned to use my experience um, as a fat actor um, and, and bring it when it's helpful to make sure the creative teams look like are, are diverse enough to support the stories that we're telling, or at least open the door for diverse storytelling. Um, and so I think a triumph for me, something that keeps me coming back to the theater is, is my love for the field, my, my love for storytelling um, and, um, and the sort of unique space that the theater offers for genuine human connection. Um, and I also like to, I think I'm starting to take joy in challenging the stereotype in, um, in walking into rooms and more and more, I, I have seen it change, even in my experience just in college theater, um, where um, I was just cast in a production at IU um, for a character whose prototype was Dove Cameron, um, like blonde, uh, Amber from Hairspray, mean girl, thin, um, you know, like that, that classic look that you see in like a high school mu- movie, like Regina George, right? And I was cast in that role. And it was so empowering to me as someone who read that prototype thinking, I will never be cast as that, that is not me. Um, To be cast in a role because of my skill and because of my unique beauty and because of my unique skill set. Because just as I think it's as, just as I think it is empowering to create specific roles for fat bodies, I also think if we sort of like smash the expectation that in our heads when we read a play every person is automatically thin (laughs) like we should also open things up to be like oh right there are no specific body specifications that serve the story here why couldn't I cast a fat girl as this person like that's important too it's not just about us going out of our way to create space for ourselves it's about taking the platform that already exists and challenging the people making that theater to open up the door to diverse body types so I think what generally feels like a win for me and what kind of keeps, keeps my skin in the game is the hope that I will continue to have a perspective that challenges the way that the theater is to make space for people like me or with experiences adjacent to mine so that their experience of the field is one that has more joy than challenge. That, that, that's definitely important. And something you said, about using the platforms and like when I do read you know particular plays or when you do think about say your favorite movie for those who may not be in the theater when you think about that no one ever said that this superhero or you know this beauty pageant queen had to be a particular body size you know there may be 
it's, it's just like this ingrained thing that in your mind, oh yeah, I know it's not going to be me. Like when I look at particular movies like rom-coms or, you know, action movies, I'm not looking for a black person because for so long I knew they didn't exist. You know, if I wanted to see, I have yet to see a black superhero woman, you know what I'm saying? And we have yet to see um, there actually is a comic about a plus size superhero, you know, but how far under the radar, how deep do we have to dive? And sometimes we say, you know what, I'm not about to continue to beg you all to cast me. We'll make our own spaces. But then, like you said, it's going to have to be some of us who do the work to say, well, why can't I already be in the space you all created? Why do I have to go through pretty much hell and hot water to create a space when y'all have it. I have the talent. I have the skill. I have the charisma. I actually deserve to be here, but you all are pushing it away because of my body size and because of my body type. So I think that's definitely important for a lot of people who are either interested, already there, or, or even transitioning out to say, how can we continue to make this change so that other people don't feel limited to what we have as a perspective to say, this is what we think is ideal. This is what we should be here. Like every movie that has a plus size woman or plus size girl, she shouldn't always have to be funny. You know, naturally in life, I have met a lot of plus size people or bigger bodies and they are funny. You know, that's just a true thing that I met and have experienced. But then it makes me go back and think, is that a defense mechanism? Has the world actually kind of programmed me and I don't know that I'm being humorous because I I, my, I have these difficulties with dealing with my body and showing up because it's it almost feels like okay you're fat what are you going to offer me how are you going to make sure that I keep my attention on you besides this body that you're in and it's like why do we have to experience that and why do we have to go through that because it's unnecessary you know it doesn't talk your size shouldn't equate to your skill set or the fact that you're considered beautiful enough to be on stage I'm trying to be captivated by the story. I want to see what the narrative is. And if you got me at the edge of my seat, why does it matter what I look like to an extent? And I think we're just still caught up in these beauty dynamics. So I just appreciate the fact that we can have this dialogue to say, we see it, we're gonna call it out and you either are gonna do something about it or I'm gonna keep showing up at these casting calls until you get the point. So keep showing up, show up all the time. You know, even if the role asks for a pet cat, show up and just be like, <laughs> I'm going to audition to be this pet cat because I think it's important. For you, Lexi, when you look at these experiences and, you know, we see why the representation is important. We see why you've been through certain things when you continue to push forward and put skin in the game, um, both figuratively and literally. What for you is that thing that you want people to know? Or why do you feel like, they discriminate against us so much. Like to see me automatically writes me off. But why do you think people do that? Like what is the the permissibility of fat shaming and fat phobia that especially comes in the world of theater? I think especially for women, not only for women, but especially for women, it is because we have been taught either explicitly or through signals that we've received our entire lives that to be fat is the worst thing that we can be. Um, and I think especially in a field that is reliant on your appearance, um, it becomes so psychological. You know, and there are a million excuses like, oh, like, but your body's your instrument. Why wouldn't you want it to be in the best condition of your life? Well, who's, who's saying that my current weight and my current body isn't the best condition I've ever been in in my entire life? So I just sort of like am tired of those voices that I've internalized as, as a fat artist because I realize now that they are not my own. That's my aunt at a dinner party when I'm eight years old taking food off my plate. That's like 
that's my extended family telling me you'd be so perfect if you lost 20 pounds. That's, that's not me. I did. I wasn't born hating the body that I'm in and I've been a fat girl my whole life. So I don't think it's too much to ask for to be appreciated as I am right now. And, and it's also exhausting to walk into rooms and, and have to be like, well, if I'm not appreciated here, I guess I can walk into another because when the whole industry is like that, then there's no place for me to go. So it's important to carve out space where I can acknowledge the spaces where, where I am welcomed and continue to um, replicate those experiences for other people when I can. So I do think, I really think that the core of it is that women especially fear being fat. Um, and we see, and we see it so much too, like even in like, um, you know, like in, in Shakespeare, right. We see so much of, um, you know, in a different way um, we see external manifestations or like, um, you know, body types or ailments or whatever as represent as representative of an internal evil. So that's like something that our literary canon has done to us too. Um, and then the media enforces it with like, you know, the stereotype of like the funny fat girl in like, um, you know, in, in any sort of popular comedy or rom-com. And so we just have a million things up against us as fat women. Um, telling us uh, that we are not enough, that we are something to be ashamed of. And, um, and that also gives permission to people who don't look like us to write us off. Uh, it gives, us, gives them permission to, to swipe us under the rug because there's an assumption that we must hate ourselves too. And it's not, uh, it's not cool, <laughs> obviously. And I want to do everything that I can um, adjacent to my work. Um, which I care very much about. So my work as a theater artist and my work as a human being are, are very tightly aligned. So I feel like adjacent to that is also my work as an activist for bodies that look like mine and bodies who don't look like mine and who, but who could really use some representing. Yes, I agree. I think it's a few things that you mentioned, um, especially when you talk about growing up and having those individuals in your family. A lot of the the shaming, the self-hate, the, oh my God, do I have to walk into this room came from family first, you know? And I questioned, what was your motives behind that? Did you actually feel some type of way about the way that I felt? Or were you trying to protect me from the world's comments by saying, if you lose weight, the rest of the world won't judge you, but you did it in this way that was damaging and toxic and very traumatic because even now I think about, you know, I had my one theater moment in high school. Um, it was senior year. Um, and, you know, unfortunately I lost my mentor due to COVID this year, but she was the one who, Miss Perryman, I will always thank her for this. I remember going in and I was like, you know, senior year, let me do something fun. You know, I just wanted to do something fun. I always dreamed of being on somebody's stage, being performative, doing the things that I want to do. And I still have that dream, you know, it's just a dream a little bit delayed and it looks a little bit different because things shift. You know, I'm in the academy, but you know, I love poetry. I love to freestyle rap. I love to have these narratives and conversations, but you don't see the big girl doing it. So, you know, I'm starting to see that a little bit more with representation when we think about these bigger bodies, but there definitely is more space for us to take up in these places. But I went up there and it was a play, it was called The Web of Murder. Um, the uh, character was Minerva, she was an old lady. I grew up with my grandparents. I always called myself a spicy granny because I have more of like a reserve yet fun side. So, you know, I, I'm the spicy grandma in the crew. It's like, hey, look, nine o'clock, I'm going to bed. So if y'all gonna party, you better let me know two weeks in advance so I can get a nap early in the day. Cause I, 
I'm tired. Um, not physically tired. I just want to be in my house. Um, nevertheless, um, I went, I projected, I did this. Um, the next day the list went up. I got the part. I'm like, cool. It's an old lady. Fine. Come to find out she was the main character. I was like, who's going to remember all these lines. And I remember having to go into, you know, it's a high school place. So we don't have a lot of resources to buy clothes and stuff like that. I went in the back and the first thing that struck me, I was like, they're probably not going to have one clothing item that's going to fit my body, you know, and we know it's a spectrum of different sizes. And I didn't think I was, you know, to the point where they're like, oh, there's no clothes available, but I knew there were no clothes available. They didn't make clothes that fit my body. And even though, you know, we had a really good time on stage and we did that, the biggest thing that crossed my mind the entire time was, I hope nobody like calls me fat. I hope nobody thinks about my body. And it was hard to enjoy the moment, even though it was one of the best experiences, even 10 plus years later that I still think about that. I still say like, Hey, that, that influenced me in certain ways. And, you know, it came from those spaces of home, you know, even afterwards, I still heard comments from my family about my body. Like you did a good job, but, and it's like, here we go. So I really connect with that and understand that part. Um, my next question for you is about the performative piece. I feel like as someone who does perform, continues to perform, sometimes we have to perform thinness. And we have to perform this way of shrinking ourselves. How do you navigate that so you don't perform feminist on and off the stage? And why is it important that we continue to check ourselves so that we don't end up in spaces where we're trying to perform this thinness to make sure everybody else around us is comfortable? Mm -hmm. I, to be completely honest with you, that is something I struggle with every day. Um, that is not something I have even come close to mastering. I'm still my own worst critic in my mind. I'm always, you know, I, you know, even now it's, it's hard for me to walk into a room and assume that I'm, you know, there's a decent chance I'll be the biggest one in it. It's hard to go over to friends' house, um, like friends' houses where they can all try on each other's clothes and I can't. Um, it's, and, and when you're in situations like that, that make you feel excluded, it's so hard to not jump the gun and perform thinness in whatever capacity I even can in my body um, just to feel inclusion uh, in, in, a, in a very significant way that I feel like has, that we're told is like some sort of integral experience, uh, you know, certainly in like, in like female friendship and like in, um, you know, in romantic relationships and stuff. Um, I, yeah, I'm still, definitely at war with that in a lot of ways. Um, I do try to check myself. I, I certainly try to, when I feel myself doing it too much, I, um, or, or like beating myself up in my head or, you know, being in too much of a comparative mindset, I try to take a mental checklist of all of my qualities that are more important than my body. Um, like the reason that I'm in this room is likely not because of my appearance. Like the reason that I'm like one of three dramaturgy candidates at IU for this kickoff program that they've never had before is not because of how I look. I earned this for other reasons, you know, or, um, you know, I got this part maybe partially because of how I look, but I, but I earned it because of my ability. And so I don't think that, and, and it's not to say that like, it's like, I've got these qualities so that excuses my body so I can get away with having the body that I have. Cause that's, that's not healthy either. But I do think I try to be like, my body is my body. This is, I just need to take care of it in a way that makes me feel good. And I need to make sure that I'm also aware of the many things that take up space within me that make me who I am, um, that have absolutely nothing to do with how I look. 
Um, because the fact of the matter is like the people who I love who keep me around don't just keep me around because of how I look, how exhausting for them. <laughs> so uh, I, I think um, there's just too much evidence telling me that um, that my soul and my brain and my heart matter so much more than the shell that I carry those things in. And coming back to that grounds me when I find myself um, betraying, betraying my, my body, betraying my mind and betraying my own dignity to, um, to fit into spaces that I just don't occupy because like, I don't have to occupy them. It's fine. Come on now, that was a wonderful way to sort of get to the end of this interview because I think, like you said, it's just a you know a shell of myself. My body is just one of the many pieces. It, you know, you never can leave your body at home. But all right, I'll be back in an hour. You know, so you stay here and just lay on the couch or something. I'll be back. No, we have to live with this. So if we have these external voices that we internalize and we continue to do that, it continues to perpetuate how we will second guess. You know, I'll be transparent even doing this work. Some days I'm like why am I doing this? You know, maybe I should just, just lose the weight, get over it. Life will be great. But then I think about it and say, you know, I've been in this body almost 31 years. I've been in this body and I've done things in the world, you know, not to blow my own horn, but beep, beep, I've done things in the world that I know have made change. I have had young women, mothers contact me. I'll never forget probably like two years ago, um, young lady was going to homecoming, told her mom she didn't want to go, didn't want her arms out, which is something I struggle with. And I still struggle with um, a little bit to this day. And her mother was like, you know, I let her listen to some of your podcasts. I was like, oh, I hope I wasn't cussing on one. Like, I don't, I don't want your child to hear me cursing. But she said, you know, I let her listen to snippets and pieces that I listened to. And she sent me this picture and this young girl had on um, a yellow dress, went to homecoming with no sleeves. She had the biggest smile on her face. And she was like, thank you for helping her do this. And I just flashed back to being that, that, that kid that was like, no, I can't do this. I can't be beautiful because I don't want to get to a point where I see that. So as you mentioned, you know, this is just a shell. We, we have so much to deal with and go through. And I appreciate that. So as we get to the end and wrap up, the last thing I want to ask you is, what advice do you have for people who are either in the theater, thinking about coming to the theater, outside of it, a spectator, even people who may not even live in a bigger body, but have comments and thoughts and ideas about us and saying, hmm, I don't want to see this person on stage. What is that piece of advice you can share with listeners so that they know, you know, keep chasing your dreams. It's going to be difficult, but it's going to have a payoff in the end. And it may not look exactly how you want it to, or maybe greater. We don't know. But what is that piece of advice you can share with listeners? No matter what feedback you get from the world around you, you are always a worthy investment take that dance class, audition for that program, go audition for that, um, you know, for, for a band, do whatever makes you happy because your skill and your artistry will always come first and will always shine. It might not shine in every room. And maybe that's because of people who have limited perceptions of what your body can do by just looking at it, but you will never regret investing in yourself as an artist, as an academic, as a human being. Don't let anyone's comments or perception of your physical being ever make you stop investing in the ability that you have, because that is, that is valuable beyond, beyond words, beyond, beyond means. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Lexi, I thank you for that. Last but not least, you know, provide social media. How can people see you in upcoming plays? What Give us a little bit of tidbit so we can follow you and it doesn't have to end once this interview ends. How can people continue to follow you and just see what you're doing and continue to, one, uphold us to the work that we said we're going to do, but also be able to have that piece of inspiration to say, you know, I want to see this true human being who has told me their story go through life. Yes, well, um, you can certainly find me on Instagram at, at Saucy Silva. Um, and so that's where sort of, I don't know, I just put my life there, certain projects that I'm working on and things like that. Um, but that's probably the best place to find me if you're interested. Um, you know, if you want to shoot me a DM, we can talk about our experiences. Yeah. Perfect. Well, for everybody listening, I am so thankful to have Lexi here. I'm definitely excited that I was able to tap into someone who has dedicated their life and their academic pursuit in the theater in ways that shares a body experience that may have differences, but yet still very similar in spaces where we don't get to see, you know, the makeup and shapes of us. We know that there are definitely differences here, but we also want to continue to advocate, be activists, challenge, look at the social justice issues around this, and challenge those who are currently in the space, coming into space, and transitioning out to make space for us. So for everybody who's listening, if you miss something, there is blessing in the rewind button, so go ahead, listen to it again. And there's also, as I say, blessing in blocking buttons, so if you have people who are on social media trying to bring down your parade for any plethora re reasons because of your body press block keep it moving you know if they make another page to come back they have a little bit too much time on their hands but nevertheless thank y'all for tuning in this has been your girl should and your girl lexi and as always remember 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 to continue to flourish in your plus size magic and take care yay how do you feel that was so wonderful. This I really appreciate you um, giving me a platform to talk about my experiences and also giving me a space to reflect on them. This is incredibly valuable for me, and I hope that it will be for someone else, too. 